Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. Uh, We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to talk about the opiate addiction recovery and, of course, opiate addiction this hour uh, during our program. Of course, during COVID-19, there has been an increase in opiate overdoses in a number of Ohio counties, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the outreach that is going on to making sure that people don't fall in the cracks during the COVID-19 shutdown and during the stay-at-home orders. With that, I'd like to also, breaking news this morning, sad news out of Marietta, Ohio, our good friend and former state representative Andy Thompson suddenly passed away this morning at home, and of course our thoughts and prayers are with his family. And next week on the program, we're going to have a special that will highlight his uh, life and of course his time at the State House and uh, many of uh, some of the friends that he has will be talking about. Uh, Andy and how they've known him and the impact that he had uh, with his short time on earth with us. But again, if you would pray for the Thompson family, as again, state representative, former state representative Andy Thompson suddenly passed away at his home in Marietta this morning. And again, our thoughts and prayers are with his family. Well, with that, I'd like to talk uh, to a very important individual who is serving on a very important council at this time of the COVID-19 shutdown. And that is uh, Pastor Greg Delaney. He is serving on the Recovery Ohio Advisory Council that Governor DeWine launched uh, to actually address the opiate addiction problem during the COVID-19, knowing that people feeling alone, isolated, and even facing uh, levels of depression would be tempted to go back into uh, the drug addiction problems. And, of course, that's our great concern. And there is some reports disturbing reports that are coming out of some of the counties. We're going to highlight that and talk about what you and I can do to reach out to some of these people. With that, we'll have uh, Greg join us. Greg, welcome to the program. Oh, it's awesome to be here, Chris. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for the work that you do. And I know that, you know, you have a personal testimony of coming out of addiction yourself and, of course, use now that former weakness as a strength to reach out and minister to other people. Tell us in brief a little bit about your background. Well, yeah, along those lines, um, you know, suffered with uh, alcohol and benzodiazepine addiction uh, for about 15, 16 years. Uh, Found recovery in 2008, uh, both through uh, some traditional programs that many of you have heard of, of AA and NA, but also being... uh, heavily engaged by the faith community and the faith community was an integral part of me finding sobriety. And, uh, after about a year of that sobriety was actually ordained into the ministry and now have been a champion and an advocate for folks, uh, seeking recovery, uh, and, uh, helping them get connected to the best resources for them and the best pathway to finding the healing that I found. So it's been a amazing, almost 13 years of being able to you know, take what you just said, what was a weakness, and allow uh, God to work through me and, and with me as we've, uh, you know, just sought to help others find the same freedom and recovery that I have. 
Well, that's right. And, of course, you've been honored uh, also on the national level with some of your work uh, reaching out to the community, with, who, those who are uh, in uh, the opiate um, uh, you know, addiction uh, cycle, and you've been able to been a great uh, advocate for good on that. And, of course, you and I were both concerned as we saw Ohio as one of the states that saw a large increase in opiate addiction a few years ago. Then Attorney General Mike DeWine, who's now our governor, of course, was out in front of that as well, wanting to tackle that in the communities. And up until this last few months, we seem to be making great progress in Ohio of seeing people, the numbers coming down of opiate addictions, a lot of the programs working, uh, some of the assistance that came in from the federal agencies that Governor, uh, that President Trump, excuse me, uh, designated funding back to the communities, all that seemed to be working. And then we get hit with COVID-19, and it looks as if we have a bit of a setback and some challenges in front of us. Explain that. Well, you know, the core of recovery, uh, there's a there's a saying in, 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 you know, in the spheres of recovery that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, but the opposite of addiction is connection. And uh, addiction can be a disease of isolation. Uh, it's perpetuated in isolation. It's fueled in isolation. And so when COVID-19 comes along and puts us in a place where we are now isolated, uh, social distancing and um, you know recovery are kind of uh, antithetical. They, they can't really get along in the current way that we're you know being asked to, to stay at home and, and, and limit our groups and, and stay isolated. And so what was, an, I know, an unintended consequence when it came to this particular population was that when we went into a shelter in place or then the stay at home, whatever you want to call it, you know, that eliminated those great social connections that many people actually, you know, really depend on in order for them to maintain their, their recovery, maintain their sobriety. And so when those things were kind of pulled out from under them, we did see, like you mentioned, a spike in overdose. And it's, it's a direct result of not having access to not only just the meetings, but also to, you know, faith meetings that were meeting, other folks that were meeting when I got pushed out. And, and, and also with the fear that comes along with COVID-19, the uncertainty, perhaps a loss of job even, uh, all of those things and not being able to get into a position of a community or group, you know, exacerbated some of the the challenges one might have with their addiction. And we've seen many go back out. And to your point, we've uh, seen a, an uptick in, in overdose as a result. This uh, report uh, actually uh, got on the national news feed as well. This is a uh, statement by the Franklin County coroner, that, uh, coroner that's in uh, the Columbus area. She says, as you may have seen, Friday night to Saturday night, our county saw 28 non-fatality overdoses. This is a high number for our county. COVID-19 has showed us the vulnerabilities and deficiencies in our addiction services. In addition, it has increased the mental health needs of this population. From January to April 15th, we saw a 50% increase in fatal overdoses, unfortunately. For the month of April alone, we saw 62 people die of overdoses. In April, we saw a younger age group dying of overdoses than in 2019, 25 to 35-year-olds. 
In 2019, the majority were 35 and up. We need to push Narcan and even as important fentanyl test strips. Much of the cocaine here in Franklin County is cut with fentanyl. There's that fentanyl again. And solid without people knowing. We need to check in with those who use, and we need to continue to advocate for wiser and better ways of treating those with addictions. Now, this is out of Franklin County, and that's just a week ago. So, you know, that made national news, actually. And so uh, that's a report from Franklin County. But we know in other counties it's just as, you know, it's rivaling that. Uh, So that's what our great concern is, Greg, here at this point. Um, this thing could be much worse than we even know, uh, you know, before we get the reports back from the county. Your thoughts? Well, and, and I, you know, I saw, I saw that report as well. Uh, we had some other pretty big spikes in, in Clark County. I, I live in Greene County. Um, so you're right. It, it's, it's popping up all over the state. It's actually having an impact in across the country as well, but, you know, one of the things that we that we also saw early on with COVID is as things were being shut down, there was some misperception early on uh, that behavioral health, that um, treatment centers and the recovery community were also going to be shuttered. And that never happened. Uh, behavioral health stayed open, you know, the entire time all the way up to today and, and wherever we're at with the order today. And so that uh, we actually saw a dip and I actually work at a drug treatment center called Woodhaven in Dayton, Ohio. And we actually saw a dip in our census, the number of people that were actually coming in for a couple of reasons. One, there was the fear of COVID being inside the house. We're a residential facility. And the second being folks didn't think that we were open. That, that had a contributing factor to this. Now, the good news is, is that is starting to change. Uh, that, uh, that messaging is starting to get, uh, you know, uh, more clear more accurate. And it's not just residential recovery that's back online, you know, in terms of the messaging, it never was offline, but also we're seeing other recovery providers, those that do traditional outpatient services and some other things making themselves available and their censuses are starting to go up. So that's, that's good news. But I do believe to what you said in terms of the increase of people that were seeking mental health services in that window that you talked about, that's something that's most certainly on the radar uh, of Recovery Ohio and other folks that I work with. I'm actually part of the Ohio Citizens for Advocacy and Addiction Recovery, and we've been meeting every day at 10 o'clock to talk about what we see in this surge. And we have a real... uh, real good uh, indication that this surge is going to uh, probably spike uh, after our stay-at-homes are over, and it's going to have a a little bit of a run. It's going to have some time on it because you're having folks that have dealt with trauma. Uh, We've had loss of life, uh, and when we have folks that have experienced relapse, and then we also have people that have re-entered society, be it from incarceration or other ways, that when they came out, they weren't able to access services in the same way that they were or could have prior to COVID-19. And that led to, I'll give you one anecdotal story of a gentleman who was uh, released from incarceration due to COVID-19, lasted about three hours prior to his overdose and death. you know, so trading one thing for another uh, is here. And we, we talk about how do we manage uh, an epidemic uh, in correlation with a pandemic? And, you know, no one's ever had to do that before. But the good news for me 
is that the recovery community did get creative during this time, uh, have provided a lot of virtual opportunities for people. Our passionate folks have gotten and, and continued street outreach that never stopped. Um, and so those fentanyl test strips you talked about, getting the Narcan in the hands of people that are out there, those efforts through a lot of dedicated people to this population uh, never stopped. Um, you know, they, they pressed through, found PPE, found a way to do the job. But again, not having the infrastructure that has been there for, you know, well on 85 years for people in recovery available, we, we were destined to take a hit. And, and we're starting to see the results of that now. Well, and with COVID-19, of course, there is a lot of issues that people are facing right now. Unemployment, uh, you know, obviously with the uh, shutdown stay-at-home order uh, through March and April, there's a sense of loneliness or isolation for a lot of folks. And so uh, depression and clinical depression is very real. Unfortunately, people are turning to uh, narcotics to ease their, their pain. But Folks, uh, we encourage you to reach out to those people that you think might be at risk and, and be that life preserver for them by uh, giving them a word of encouragement, staying in contact with them, offering them a word of hope, and sharing the Scripture with them and praying with them. You know, this is what's needed as those of us in the faith community can really be an encouragement to those who are going through a very difficult time right now. So, you know, be that one who is going to reach out to those people that are at risk. And if you haven't seen somebody in a while and you're wondering where they're at, well, you know, be the one that reaches out to them. Call them, text them, uh, get an opportunity to actually maybe even stop by. See how they're doing, because we don't want people to be isolated. We don't want them to be at risk for these kinds of things, because unfortunately, you know, drug addiction doesn't always end in a recovery story, uh, does it, Greg? It it often uh, sometimes ends in a very tragic story. Well, and, and to that end, you know, it ends one way or the other. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a black and white thing. You either, you're busy getting better or you're busy getting dead. And there's not a whole lot of place in between. You can't just kind of be stagnant. And just to kind of reinforce what you said, uh, I sat in on a call with our friends from Washington, D.C. Uh, last week, uh, and we were, and they had shared some survey results during COVID-19 that they had had kind of just a, a population of about, I don't know, it was a little over a thousand people and just asking how they were doing and asking a little bit about behavior during, during the, uh, the COVID-19 shutdown. And it was fascinating. Almost over 45% uh, indicated that they were experiencing anxiety and depression. And it was something that was new for them. Uh, the three numbers that really concerned me though, were that one out of four that were surveyed uh, admitted to binge drinking during uh, this time. One out of five admitted to um, using their prescription medication inappropriately. And one out of seven had actually admitted to using illicit drugs. And so what we've seen, not only with our folks that have, have been you know, in, in recovery or struggling with addiction, being at risk, we're also seeing some others that I think will impact this surge a little bit that dip their toe or this had taken them to a place of what you just said, of coping uh, with substances, and now that's a, a new population of folks that we may need to serve. And you know, while I, I you know, you can say it's kind of cute to say you know wine with Dewine, or it's kind of cute to say beers with Brashear down in Kentucky when they do their press conferences, there is a there is a very vulnerable group of people that that messaging uh, is just 
is just not fair in my mind, and it's just not being considered. And so, but your your ideas for how to help are right on track. Um, we we worked with Kay Warren out at uh, Saddleback Church. She has a whole website of opportunities for church, for faith people of faith, for just people in the community to help. And it's almost like you were ticking that right off of, of her list of, of things that we can do all the way down to just a, just a text message could turn the, the tide for someone who might be contemplating, you know, uh, trying to deal with their, their challenges in, a, in an inappropriate, not inappropriate, but an ineffective or in a dangerous way. And, you know, maybe you're listening to this program and you're going through a difficult time. You're feeling isolated during the shutdown and you haven't had much contact with family or friends. We want to reach out to you and just say, look, Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, but he carried that for you. In fact, the Bible says, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You know, God wants to give you peace, he wants to give you hope, and he wants to give you joy, even in the midst of difficulty. And maybe you're going through that difficulty right now, but you know, reach out to someone who will pray with you. Reach out to your pastor, to your church. Let them know how you're feeling. You know, you don't have to go through this alone. Reach out to a family member uh, that will uh, talk to you. And so that really, and then open up the Bible. You know, the Bible is a great source of strength and energy and hope, and God will lead you through scriptures that will give you inspiration and will give you strength. And, you know, a lot of us are facing that with some difficulties, sometimes of feeling down, a little lonely at times. Uh, you know, I know I miss the grandkids during uh, this COVID shutdown, but things are starting to open up. So actually, we're getting it through, and, and like the governor said, we're in this together, we'll get through this together, and we are getting through, and things are starting to open up. So I would encourage you to get out, you know, get out, get some uh, fresh air, maybe take a walk, uh, just don't sit at home, you know, allow God to put some joy and some difference into your life and do something different right now, but just don't sit at home and contemplate about your problems, because those are real. We're not minimizing those at all. But what we are saying is there is a better way and there's a better tomorrow, and that's what we want to encourage you in. And we'll be praying for you at the end of this uh, time. But, Greg, I want to thank you for what you're doing and the task force is doing. And uh, obviously, just as uh, we feel a little bit of setback, is we were making so much progress. And I know that Attorney General Dave Yost picked right up where uh, former AG Mike DeWine, now Governor DeWine, uh, left off. And we were seeing some great progress around Ohio. Hopefully, we'll be able to get through this and get back on track and seeing those numbers of opiate addictions and uh, the recoveries going up and the opiate addiction problem going down as far as the numbers in Ohio. Unfortunately, that's not the existence of the numbers right now. One of the things I want to point out about the Franklin County story, what do you make about the younger age group, according to the stats, where it was 35 and older, now it's between 25 and 35? What do you make about that? Well, I I don't want to speculate, but I would I would assume that part of that is to um, you know probably correlated with the the loss of job. You had a lot of folks probably in that zone that were in that uh, in that uh, area of you know service work or being in a restaurant or whatever. That's part of it. I'm going to guess. Um, the second piece of it is when you look at at opiate addiction anyway, in, in just in general, it tends to be into that range of the, the 22 to 40 spot. 
And uh, so I think you you add these other contributing factors, these other traumas, these other things that have been uh, pushed or heaped upon someone. I could see that impacting that that group of folks, uh, you know, in in perhaps different ways. We we've actually seen, you know, if you look at the sober living community that kind of is sprinkled throughout uh, the state of Ohio, where people you know go to live uh, after um, you know they've been through treatment. Uh, often they're required to have a job and be able to pay some rent to be a part of the sober living community. Well, some of those jobs get pulled out. And we've sadly, here in Montgomery County, we actually had a great leader of one of our sober homes uh, experience that. And that trauma pushed him back to uh, his substances. And we, we lost him to overdose just about four weeks ago. So I think there's a lot of contributing factors to it, Chris. I, I, I don't want to speculate. I'm not the expert. I'm not the data guy. But I would think it's it's just this uh, just this unprecedented kind of feeling of a lack of control, and I think when we have that, you know, the things that I I could count on my meeting, I could count on serenity, I could count on going to church, and suddenly that's not there either. It makes it hard to figure out, okay, where am I going to go, you know, deal with this challenge that I'm feeling or this emotion that I that I I don't like and. And, oh, I'm reminded I used to deal with that, you know, with a substance. And so I think there's a lot of things that are contributing to it. I would like to say this to your point. Uh, we're, we're actually, con- you know, we've, we've talked a lot with the, the state leaders in this. And, and one of the things we want to emphasize, and I want to emphasize it here on your program, is if you need help, don't wait. Don't wait. Help is available. And then on the other side of it, if you feel urged, if the Holy Spirit nudges you to reach out to somebody, don't wait. Take that nudge as a as a as a sign from the Lord that that, that you're being asked to, to intervene and to help someone. And so, if there's something we pull away right now, don't wait to ask for help and don't wait to offer help. And one of the things that you can do by offering help is you will find that when I serve someone else, it has an amazing positive impact on my emotion. It has a positive impact actually neurologically in my brain. And so to Chris's point, please, you know, take those opportunities to help in any capacity that you can, because it will make a difference, not only for the person that you're touching, but also for yourself included there as well. Amen. You know, uh, Greg, as I'm thinking about this with Recovery Ohio, and of course, we're praying for all of you, lots of work to do, and I hope that you're getting the timely uh, reports from the counties across the state that will help you keep a, ahead of this problem so we can understand how big it might be and getting the resources you need. And with that, I want you to close us in prayer. We have about a minute left. And just pray for those right now who are feeling depressed and are really needing some help right now. Would you do that? Heavenly Father, we just come to you now. We're so grateful for your presence. And right now, As Chris had mentioned, I'm praying that those who are feeling that isolation, those who are feeling lonely, those who are feeling that uh, they don't have anyone to lean on, Lord, I pray right now that they will sense your presence and that they will know they can lean on you. And Lord, for those that are listening, that are feeling that that, uh, sense of, I need to help someone, I need to get out, I need to, to make that call, Lord, I pray that you would prompt them to do that so that that help can be available for someone. But Lord, today we pray over all who are feeling these times of anxiety and these times of uncertainty. And Lord, I know, as Chris mentioned, we can always cast those cares on you. And so today, Lord, my prayer is for protection for those that are vulnerable, for uh, inspiration for those that can step in to help. 
But mostly, Lord, I pray today that they'll recognize that you are who you've always been, and you're there for them, and we're there for them. In Jesus' name. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for listening. God bless you all, and uh, thank you, Greg, for your uh, sharing your thoughts today. We appreciate it very much. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Hello, I'm Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. We need all Ohioans to help us slow the spread of the coronavirus. For the most up-to-date information, please visit our website at coronavirus.ohio.gov or call 1-833-4-ASK-ODH seven days a week. Furnished by Governor Mike DeWine, aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon to you on this National Day of Prayer 2020, this special COVID-19 edition of the National Day of Prayer. Normally, across the country, there will be public gatherings on the National Day of Prayer at the steps of the courthouses and state capitals, even at the U.S. Capitol, uh, and and at the White House on the National Day of Prayer. In fact, I've been privileged to attend in the last few years with President Trump the National Day of Prayer in the Rose Garden in the last few years. But this year, with COVID-19, everything is changed, and it's much different, and we'll be doing National Day of Prayer from our homes, and we'll be doing National Day of Prayer in small groups, and of course, but the important thing is we will be praying as a church, praying for our nation, praying for its leaders, and praying for the Church of Jesus Christ, and praying for a revival in the land. I want to share with you some important thoughts today from the Scriptures in regard to prayer. In fact, Jesus spoke to his disciples in Luke chapter 18, And verse 1, as he said that men ought always to pray and not to faint, he said, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, 
though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Where is our faith today in relation to our prayers that we offer to God? Well, I want to take you through some time in the Scripture here in the opening, and then I'm going to lead us into an audio from 40 years ago of a major prayer event in Washington, D.C. It was April 29th, 1980, Washington for Jesus. Up until that time, it ended up being the largest evangelical prayer gathering in our nation's history, with nearly a half a million Christians that gathered on the mall in Washington to fast and to pray and to seek the face of God. I want to take you to Second Chronicles and 714, and of course, we, you would say, of course you would. It's the National Day of Prayer. But I want us to look at a couple of other verses in that chapter. Let's consider who Solomon was. Solomon, of course, was the son of David, and God promised David that he would not want for a son or a descendant on his throne. In fact, so much so that the prophecy came that even Christ would come through the lineage of David, but the first would be Solomon. Now, David was a man of war, and in fact, David, you know, had fought many campaigns, many wars, and he wanted to build a house for God. In fact, the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart, but God said, no, because you have shed so much blood, not that it was wrong, you were in my instruction, you were protecting your nation, and you were expanding the kingdom, but your son, who will be a man of peace, he will be the one that will raise up a temple for my glory. So Solomon was a man of peace. There was peace within his years in the expansion of his kingdom, the inherited from the benefit of his father of the many campaigns and putting all of Israel's enemies at rest with the kingdom. But Solomon prayed and asked God to give him wisdom how he might lead the people. And God said, you have prayed well, and I will give you wisdom. And in addition to the wisdom I will give you, I will load you with all these other benefits. But let's read about what Solomon said in the dedication of this temple in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. It says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send a pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attend to the prayer that is made in this place. Well, let's consider that for a minute. God saying that he will have his ears open, his eyes attend to the prayer that is made when God's people seek him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Isaiah 59, verse 1, Isaiah the prophet declares, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Well, therein lies the key, isn't it? What is between you and the Lord right now? You know, as we consider this time of COVID-19, I mean, our world is turned upside down. Never have we seen in our generations a time in which 
stores have closed, sporting events, concerts, restaurants. I mean, the world came to a halt with the coronavirus crisis. And now we're at a point where we are beginning to consider, as we are shut up into our homes, as some of us are isolated and alone, the consideration is, will God send an awakening through the land? Well, will God send a revival among his people? I would say to you, this is a time for consideration, that we are to consider what God is speaking to us. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God is saying to us, let's join into consideration. What is that which is dividing you from walking a closer walk with Jesus? What is the difference between you and God? What is there that is in your life that's causing clutter? that's causing distance between you and God. You know, be like Peter, James, and John. Of the twelve disciples, they were the inner circle. They were the ones who closest to the, to the Lord. And they, you know, every time he turned around, he was falling over any one of them, of Peter, James, and John. That's how close they followed Jesus. And I want to ask you, how close are you following him? Well, as the Church, we need to really pray and seek the presence of God. We need to press in And on this National Day of Prayer, let's do just that. Let's get together, let's pray, and I ask you tonight, the National Day of Prayer Task Force, on their website, and go there, the org, and 8 p.m. tonight will be a prayer time for uh, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We encourage you to do that, to join in with prayer, to listen to the devotional, listen to the messages, and to pray. And gather your family around as well. So that's 8 p.m. tonight, the National Day of Prayer Task Force on their website, nationaldayofprayer.org. We'll be holding a service tonight at 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. But at this time, I want to take you back 40 years ago on April 29, 1980. In fact, April 29th is a significant day on the calendar. For in 1607, that's when the Virginia landings took place. They placed a 14-foot cross on the sands of Virginia Beach, and they dedicated the land for God. Well, you know, that's a spiritual date. And in 1980, our nation was at a crossroads. We had come out of the Vietnam War. There was a recession. There was a lot of questions going on. We had 102 of our countrymen that were held as hostages by the Islamic State in Iran. And there, there had just been a failed attempt by the military to rescue them, which ended with crashing helicopters in the desert. We were really on our knees, but on April the 29th, God's church joined on its knees, actually on our faces, on the lawn in Washington. I was there 40 years ago. It was a major event, and I I tell you, the Spirit of God moved. At first, we were repenting, confessing our sins. There was rain all night the night before. There was a youth concert with Second Chapter of Acts, Nikki Cruz, Honey Tree, other musical artists at RFK Stadium. The next day we would be from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. fasting and praying. There was no food concessions. People came to fast and to pray and to seek the face of God. And by mid-morning, 
God heard our prayer, and there was a great breakthrough of joy. There was later a walkthrough or a parade in downtown Washington. Well, they had seen many marches in Washington for a lot of different causes, but none to lift up the glory of God. I want to take you back to, to April 29, 1980, for the Washington for Jesus, and we're going to hear from Adrian Rogers, Pat Robertson, uh, other speakers, and I hope it's a blessing to you. And then I'll come back with some closing thoughts. Let's go there now. Washington for Jesus, 1980, April 29th. From the 700 Club. You know, in 1607, April 29th, uh, this nation began, Act One, Scene One of the uh, unfolding drama that became the United States of America, it took place in a little spit of land called Cape Henry uh, on the Atlantic seacoast. There they planted a cross in the ground and claimed this land for Jesus. And so it was appropriate that a church in Virginia Beach, the Rock Church, John Jimenez, the pastor, in association with CBN, which is here in Virginia Beach, would link up with Campus Crusade for Christ with headquarters all the way across the country in uh, Arrowhead Springs, California, along with the Full Gospel Businessmen located also in Southern California, and other organizations and ministries nationwide, including two denominational leaders in Memphis, Tennessee, which is right in the middle of the country, and uh, from north, south, east, and west, from all of the 50 states, people came and they said, we know that our nation is in trouble. We love our nation. God loves our nation. We want to pray. We recognize that there's some chastisement, but the chastisement of God is not necessarily uh, an evil thing. It is a loving thing to bring a nation back to repentance. And so we came to say, America, we want to come back to the founding of our nation. We want to come back to the historic roots. We want to come back to the Bible and back to God. And if we don't turn, we face crisis and chaos. And that was the message all day long, from 6 in the morning until 6 at night. People fasted and they prayed and they sought God and they sang and they loved each other and they joined together in a great celebration of praise and worship and seeking the Lord, a historic event. I believe this is the most important day in the nation's history apart from its founding because unless God does something supernatural to intervene in the affairs of this nation, I personally believe that we shall lose our freedom to a foreign power. Now, I know that sounds far-fetched, melodramatic, exaggerated, but I have looked with growing concern for years as I've seen the God to whom our fathers dedicated this nation disintegrate. As far as I can see, down toward the Washington Monument, there are people. Up farther of them all, thousands of people have come because you love Jesus. And you love this land. And you know the time has come to pray and to seek God for a great move of his spirit in America. But this land has gone far from the purposes for which it was planted. And God loves this nation enough that he has called you and me to come 
at our own expense, humbly, prayerfully, to cry out to him and to call on our fellow citizens across America to repent that God might bless this land. Then it was right there that David Wilkerson, he said, Nikki, nobody can get close to you, but there's one person that get close to you, and that is Jesus Christ. Open up your heart. Let me pray for you. Jesus Christ is here in this room. Jesus loves you. He wants to kiss your pains away. And that moment I began to fight convictions and heal and there. But on the other side, there, there was something that was real in that night. And that was that the presence of Jesus Christ was so strong. That Jesus arrived, that he's not, he risen from the dead. And because he can come and give you life. It was about two minutes later, I went down to this basement. And there, I had embraced the greatest experience of all experience. It was in that Basement, that Jesus Christ touched me. A number of years ago, in this very stadium, a rock group called the Rolling Stones performed, and they filled the stadium. And Mick Jagger sang his Satanic Majesty's request, sympathy for the devil. And the stadium was filled with young people that were excited and glorifying Satan himself. Today, this stadium is starting to fill up with young people whose excitement is not a fleshly excitement, but it's an excitement that Jesus is Lord, restoring his church. God bless you. I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a When we see the legal loopholes for criminals and it has become more glamorous to be a criminal than be a Christian. It is a strange land. When we see crime running rampant down our streets like water 
down rain-drenched gutters. It is a strange land when we recognize legalized murder. It is a strange land when marriage has become unpopular and shacking has become the end thing. Our trouble began when we turned our backs on God and his word. And I love America with every fiber in my body. I love America. I love America. I love America. When our people are starving, America fed our people there in the old country. When they needed a home, America opened its arms and said, come, we'll give you a home. That's why I'm here. And eight months ago, when Paul Tilberty and John Jimenez and myself and Leo Pantaleo, the coordinator, we went visiting our senators and congressmen all day long. And one senator was deeply moved eight months ago. He said, we got deep problems. He says, men, would you lay your hands on me and pray? And we prayed. And every senator congressman said, pray for me. And we prayed for every one of them. I've never seen that happen before. Thank God for their consciousness and God consciousness. This is Jesus praying. You know, Jesus didn't pray, Lord, I wish that the Baptists would be one, or that the Catholic would be one, or that the Lutheran would be one. It's not in the book. He said that they may be one. He was talking about the Baptists and about the Lutheran and about the Catholic and about the white and about the black and about the whosoever. Anybody who calls upon the name of Jesus, that's who he was talking about. And yet there is hope. And I'll tell you why there is hope. As long as there is a God in heaven, there is hope. And our God has said, to his ancient people Israel in 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Several things I want you to notice. First of all, I want you to notice the people God has. God says, if my people, now we say, if only Hollywood, if only Congress, if only the government, if only the schools, but God says, if my people, God is waiting on his people. Sometimes we say, oh God, if only God would. 
But God says, it's not me, it's you. God says, if my people, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, it is not our job to persuade God to bless America, but to permit him to do so. Now, the second thing I want you to notice, not only the people that God has, but the pride that God hates. God says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Sometimes we say, oh God, make us humble. He's not going to do it. He may humiliate us, but he will not make us humble. We are to humble ourselves. And I want to tell you there is one sin more than any other sin that is holding back revival in America. It is not rape. It is not arson. It is not abortion. It is not perversion. It is pride. Pride. God hates pride. Dr. Pat Robertson, president of Christian Broadcasting Network and co-coordinator of this whole Washington for Jesus rally, is down here leading the parade with his wife, Dee Dee. Let's catch up to them right now and ask them just a few words. Excuse me, Dr. Robertson, what does this day mean? Why did you see it so important to call it together? I believe that we're coming back to God in our nation. This is one of the most profound experiences that any of us have ever had. This obviously is the biggest crowd that's ever assembled for any uh, evangelical gathering in history. A meeting like this has never happened before in history. And the whole nation is going to be shaken with the power of God. I feel that. And that was Washington for Jesus, 1980, April 29th. A wonderful prayer event in our nation's capital. It's been 40 years. You know, the Bible marks 40 years as a generation. Here we are 40 years later, and our nation is at a crossroads. We are in desperate need of God. And you know what Adrian Rogers, was he's preaching there, talking about the sin of pride. We need to humble ourselves. And that's why Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Well, my friend, that's what you and I need to do today. We need to press in to fellowship with God. Confess those sins. Confess those things that are between you and the Lord Jesus Christ, and enter in to a renewal and a time of revival. Well, join us tonight at 8 p.m., the National Day of Prayer Task Force, just go to nationaldayofprayer.org. At 8 p.m. tonight will be the National Day of Prayer. It will be a two-hour segment. We hope that you can join us. God bless you. And from Leviticus 25.10, proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all the inhabitants thereof. God bless you all. See you next week.
You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.